everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, the Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name's Bill Grennan. Everyone calls me Brasky. I am joined, as always, by Caroline Cavanaugh, the Mighty Linguini, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Sean Gallagher, Mr. Toolshed. What's up, fam? Hello. How we doing? Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's, uh... Well, it's as good as it can be. Um, if I could describe uh, how I'm feeling, I'm feeling like a three-three elk. Uh, that is that is exactly how I'm feeling, uh, because that's that seems to be all we're seeing going on right now is uh, is Oko Oko and a whole lot more Oko. But that's not all that's going on in the world of Magic. I mean, we've all had our own opportunities to try different formats, play different things, and maybe even travel a little bit. So, uh, how's everyone's week in Magic been, Caroline? How's 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 your week been? It- was pretty good um when we last spoke to our hero i'm the hero um (laughs) i was playing on arena doing some streams and uh we actually did a sealed practice last week on stream uh we opened folio which sure that's actually not the full name of the card but we opened really good rare that does a lot of milling and can kind of kill your opponent very quickly uh, without doing any damage, so that's fun. Uh, and so I actually said to chat that I would like to open it for my sealed pool in Phoenix. Uh, and of course the Phoenix pack distributors agreed uh, and I opened a foil a foil folio. So I had a good time hanging out with friends this weekend. We we're going to talk a little bit about that later, but my weekend magic was great. Eric, how about you? Oh, magic's magic. It's always good. Uh, played a little bit of Pioneer. It was uh, it was pretty fun to like do a bunch of exploring. And, uh, you know, me, the uh, I went here, went there, and then always come back to some artifact-based aggro deck. So found a nice vehicles deck and a nice in-souls artifact deck. So I'm going to explore those some more and uh, hopefully have a lot more fun playing Pioneer. Sean? Yeah, so for me this week, I... Had a great time playing Pioneer basically every night. Played a lot of Delirium, a lot of Ascendancy, and a lot of Revelation. I'm just excited to dig deeper into this format and test some of the decks that did really well over the weekend. I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. So pretty excited. I took some time off of playing Standard for this weekend to play some Pioneer because I'm just loving the format so much. And I took took my time uh, off of Standard to just be the filthy casual that I am and jump into Brawl and play a whole bunch of different Brawl decks, and I've been having a whole lot of fun with it when I'm not running into a certain card that we'll talk about later. Um, my favorite thing that I've done is just create a ridiculous Demir Mill deck uh, around Ashiok and a lot of bouncing and a lot of like cheap payment for getting him back onto the to the battlefield and just, just burning people out and taking their decks away and then uh, claiming my victories and moving on and then running into an Oko deck and crying and then doing the same thing over and over again. But it's been a fun time, and I've really, really enjoyed it, and it's nice, and it is something I wish that they kept that format in the client at all times, but they're not going to right now, and it makes me a sad panda. Uh, A lot of people are sad pandas at the moment. Well, sad elks, because uh, it it was a busy weekend, in a lot of different formats and specifically revolving around one specific card, uh, that card being Oko. And for starters, Eric, why don't you give us a rundown of, um, you know, I don't know, vintage or pioneer or standard or really any format over this past weekend. Um, what seemed to be the prevailing theme from a lot of the, uh, uh, tournaments and qualifiers that happened? So, uh, if you were paying attention to any of this weekend's magic results, then you've, you've already seen it. But if you haven't, then um, the Vintage, Pioneer, and the Legacy Challenge was all won by the card Oko. Uh, it was also the winner of the Standard Classic. It was also the runner-up uh, of both the Modern Open and the Modern Challenge. And our MCQW on Arena, uh, 66% of Day 2 what was also uh, included Oko in their deck lists. So yeah, I mean, just kind of all around. I guess it missed the uh, the modern challenge on on uh, MTGO, but everything else it seemed to pretty much dominate. Yeah, so it's been all over the place, and people are expecting. You know, it's it's been a long time since we've seen a card 
have this type of, of huge effect, not just on standard, but on a lot of different formats. So they were expecting at least in standard, you know, some type of statement, maybe even another banning so quickly after Field of the Dead. And uh, lo and behold, we did get the announcement of a, a non-announcement. They basically just said, nope, we're going we're gonna to stay pat. Everything's going to go until the next banning announcement on November 18th, and everything will stay as it is. And it, that has generated... A lot of opinions, a lot of discussion. Uh, some people think that uh, Oko is the only huge problem. Some people think it's a symptom of a bigger problem. Some people think it's fine and, and just want to kind of go along around with it. What are your thoughts when you found out that for any of you, no matter the format, no matter where it's at or where you are in Magic, when you found out that Oko is not going to get an emergency ban, they're going to hold off until November 18th, what was your initial thoughts? And do you think that this is actually a good thing or do you think it's a bad thing? I think it's a good, it's a fine thing. Um, they could have definitely came out and said that, like you know, Oko is a card that we we need to ban before the uh, the MC because you know as it is, it is an esport, and if you have a format that's going to be dominated by one deck, people might not view it. But I kind of actually like the fact that they didn't uh, ban Oko, uh, thinking about it a little bit more than just like the initial reaction because like. For me, I think it's more about gameplay, um, and like standard should be more about gameplay. I, if the gameplay isn't great, then the viewing is not going to be great, and I, I don't know that we have enough data on how good the the gameplay is uh, between like the mirror match of these decks. One of my one of my favorite standards, um, and I know I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this, but one of my favorite standards was like the Callblade era, um, just because I think the gameplay was very very good. But obviously, the the diversity of decks was not very high. But there was a lot of like metagaming and tweaking you could do to your deck to like gain a little bit of leverage. And then from week to week, you could change things up. You saw that with uh, Jerry Thompson. He basically innovated three different versions of the Callblade deck and uh, ended up just you know um, basically creating his own metagame inside of just one deck style. Um, and I think one of the big things is that. With a format this small, um, not having as many sets out right now, you're going to have a best deck. And it, like maybe, you know, you can make arguments that maybe Oko is too good of a best deck. Uh, maybe it's hard to fight, but it's like, it, it, if people want to play whatever the best deck is, this is it. And, you know, until we get more cards, it's probably going to continue to be it. And maybe they have to do something about it, but, or maybe we just have to wait till the next set and then just have, you know, maybe hopefully good gameplay. Yeah, I think there's a lot of precedent that um, and an a looming event such as a pro tour or a mythic championship does not force their hand in terms of bans. We saw that with Hogak in this summer. Um, they actually made a very similar tweet about Hogak about three weeks before the MC three, MC four. I'm not I kind of lost count, but either way, the summer modern MC um, because I think that it is well. First of all, this week like. Monday is exactly, it's like two weeks, basically, less than two weeks to deck list, a week and a half to deck list. They're due next Wednesday. There's just no way. Like, there was just 0% chance that they were going to emergency ban it. And I think it saves them a lot of equity to just post that instead of having people, you know, feeling, even though they're like 99.99999% chance that they're not going to ban it, it's just feeling uncomfortable about prepping. So I think it's great to post that. I think it does show that they're paying attention, that they're aware of kind of the feelings and emotions and <laughs> pitchforks <laughs> that are flying around, and that's okay. Um, I actually think I do agree with Eric in general that it is early format. It is a small format. I think it is likely that there'll be a best deck. Um, the issue isn't actually that there's a best deck. I believe there's just a best card. So the Oko card itself is in many different decks and it has created a weird like i think it i guess it's what you're describing callblade but it feels different to me like callblade from the way it was described was like they the deck was created and then other versions came out for it to like fight each other whereas oko is just dominating the format in all of the decks that it's in and there hasn't even really been a clear winner on that strategy like Cinemic food was was where we started, and then Sultai food kind of showed up this week at the MPL. Um, we know that the Bant Ramp decks have tried Oko. 
I know that blue blue green flash is on its way back and it plays Oko. So like, I I think this is a different scenario and um, it is something that we need to keep an eye on and figure out like, can we wait this out till till end of January, early February with the new set, or you know, does this mythic have to go? I don't know. the The awkward thing that Watsky has done, I assume accidentally, is there are three large tournaments in two month period. I think that's being generous. So that was MC five, MC six, which is coming up in a week and a half, and uh, MC seven, which I think is about three weeks after that. So that's a lot, and I think that's causing a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress because you have players such as Eric such as the 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 regular attenders of these events that are like do i have to play this card <laughs> for the next three tournaments and and will it be fun so i think there's a lot of added stress i think some of the other bannings have had bigger gaps between the the pro tours or the mythic championships and i feel like the pressure has not been as intense and this is like a new experience for a lot of magic players so i think that's one of the other factors that's in this current oh, dilemma how much stock do you think they put into people raging on Twitter? Because when Field of the Dead was pretty rampant and standard, like there were still people complaining about it. But I feel like this Oko one, like people grabbing the pitchforks, like this feels like multiplicative of what Field of the Dead felt like just because Oko so dominant in different formats. Do you think that they care more about people grabbing pitchforks? And do you think they weigh that very heavily when they consider bands or... Do you think they more just look at the statistics of how much Oko's actually winning? I believe that they base their choice, their decisions solely on statistics. The best example I can think of is the Felidar Guardian and uh, Sahili combo uh, actually dodged a ban. So on the on a Monday of a banning after a, uh, I can't remember if it was quite a pro tour or if it was just like a big kind of weekend like we just had here with Oko, but like. I actually think it was a pro tour, but I'm not certain. Um, there was, you know, the Felidar combo was great. Actually, man, I don't think it was a pro tour. But either way, it was it was huge. It was rampant. And everyone on Twitter, you know, all these lists are coming out. This card is, this combo is unfun to play against and is impossible to interact with, basically. And they made an emergency ban in quotations. Actually, I guess that was technically an emer a real emergency ban. And to do that... They posted data, and it was data from Moto, from three days of raw data. It was not a lot of data. And yes, I do believe they they use that data because it you know it um cited in their in their point of view, being like, yeah, we need to ban this card. And I think Twitter, you know, and social media helped highlight that there was an issue. But I I believe they have to justify these bannings to more than just the internal workings of their company. Uh, and I think they need data to do that. Twitter yellers, their their canceling abilities uh, are not a huge factor, I believe. Especially if they're uh, above the age of 40, because then they're old yellers. <laughs> yeah, just like a little bit of uh, additional thing. Uh, so one of my, um, I don't know what you would call it, bad habits is reading Twitch chat. And um, the it's similar to like the the twitter thing is if you let the if you let the twitch chat or twitter um you know go at the ban list you, you will end up with like no playable cards in, in in any format i remember when i was like one of the times that comes to mind was um when the first like standard bannings uh like the the first row of them started coming up people then were calling for like toolcraft exemplar and uh and scrap heap scrounger and you know, it, like, and uh, was it like harnessed lightning and stuff like that to be banned because they just thought they were like too powerful because they personally didn't want to play against those cards. And uh, while, it, you know, they won't have like a huge following behind them, it's just, you're going to, like, there's just too much noise, I think, to listen to that. So looking at the, the background and seeing the statistics of who's winning, who's losing, um, how how much are they winning against, against what decks uh, is something that, that, would make make a lot more sense for Watsi to use. Yeah, you'd hope that at the very least that they would use hard data as the basis for a lot of their decisions. I think it's important to take you know some of the community's feedback and the community's feelings towards cards uh, to heart. But you, to your point, you're absolutely correct. Like if every meta 
the most vocal people are going to be the ones that don't like it for the most part. There's not many times that I've seen, regardless of the game, a meta come out and people over the overwhelmingly vocal people are like, boy, this is fantastic. I love everything about this meta. Isn't it great, everybody? As opposed to who's the most vocal people, the people that are most dissatisfied with it. That's not to say that there's nothing uh, wrong with Oko or that Oko isn't broken and something needs to be done. Um, but if you go purely off of people's attitudes, you're, there will be no game left. Eric, you were talking a lot about um, you like a one-deck format and you can do all this figuring out and try and metagame and stuff. But I believe you were singing a different tune last week and I just wanted to get your opinion on all of these aggro decks that were going to beat Oko. <laughs> well, so if you believe in Andrew Cunio, who I believe in quite a bit, uh, he was the only one that registered Garena White Adventures in a field of food decks. So we'll have our, but by, by the time the podcast, I believe, goes up, or maybe the night of the podcast uh, going up, uh, we will have the MPL results, and we'll all see that uh, that Andrew Cunio is five and zero uh, in his uh, in his MPL, uh, not debut. I, I don't know what exactly the word would be, but it, he, he's just going to win it all. Okay, I have played the green white deck. How does anyone get a win with it, even if I, you're not I've playing against been Oko? Crushing with that deck. I so cannot bad. stand that deck. I cannot stand the green white deck or the green black deck. That just has too many one ones. It's so many one ones. You're talking my language. That's all no, I do. Is attack I can't terrible do creatures. it. I like. I won games based on the fact I catch. I I cast at least three or four march of the multitudes. That's the only way I could win. It was outrageous. You should cast Edgewall Innkeeper more often. Well, and I then locks it in. Venerated locks. Make tiny dudes, buff the tiny people, and send them to the face. That's what you do. Cunio mm. hasn't posted his results yet. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. That's for sure. Yeah, Cunio's going to win it. And the one thing I also know is that, uh, well, this this topic, this card has uh, has fractured the community in a lot of different ways. We are now pieces of ourselves. You could say that we are fractions of humans. In, in a sense, because of what is happening right now in the world of Magic the Gathering. And I think that the competitive side of the team saw all these fractional people and decided to release a little update about some of the competitive formats of Magic the Gathering, which is fractional invites. And to tell us a little bit about those fractional invites is Caroline. Caroline, what, what when I say fractional invites, what do I mean by that? Well, for one, you mean that you really wanted to get a get a good transition so use the word fraction a lot yep and i booed you a lot mm. so going forward can you make a note that we want a video podcast because that was brutal you know how long we're i've not... been planning that transition and it was brilliant <laughs> we're not even fractions we're all on the same side we're like a giant pie against <laughs> we're all connected we're definitely not fractions. if we had a video podcast we would get a lot more cat pictures it's true i also think we need like I an animator because just moose all over okay. the place i need like i, I want to hire an animator so we can create the stuff that you talk about i want to see a bunch of people making a giant pie trying to kill oko that needs to be a thing oh can you bake him into a pie wow flavor fail yeah okay so as much as your transition was sketchy to say the least uh you are asking about a really great question so in the last couple months, we've been really seeing the development of what next year will look like for the professional magic uh, and beyond. And there has always been a question, usually asked by Sam Party, but also by other players, asking what about nor like uh, ways to qualify that don't include winning or spiking a tournament. So in the past, just to give a small little uh, summary, uh, there's been different levels or clubs. So there was a silver, gold, and platinum. And then sort of recently there was a bronze. And these different clubs had different points. So in silver, you got to go to one pro tour out of four a year. In gold, you got to go to all the pro tours and your flights were included, I think. But that's a little, I, I can't remember quite the details for gold. But And then in platinum, you got um, all of those things plus some cool extra bonuses. So and these were d determined by how many pro points you had. And pro points were things you could earn at Grand Prix and at Pro Tours. And it was common that you kind of snowballed because once you got onto one Pro Tour and you were 
you had a good finish, you could get a couple more points to get onto the next and the next. And, and it was how often people, it's how people often stayed on the train. And the train was like this idea of being able to keep go, keep going to all these pro tours. Uh, and they have, they, they said very early on in this year that they were not continuing the, that pro club in any way. In fact, they stopped awarding points as of June. Uh, and that is actually one of the big kind of feelings and emotions for a lot of the, the current pros is like, how do I keep, you know, doing what I like to do? And the MPL is such a small part of that. It's a very small number of people compared to the, uh, the anyone with club status is probably like in the at least two or three hundreds of people, if not more. So it's very different to the top 32 for the MPL. So this was something that constantly people are asking on Twitter and saying, how can I get invited to these new player tours without top eighting a Grand Prix or winning a Grand Prix, I guess. And for a while, they've been using this term, oh, we will discuss fractional invites later. And that later has arrived. Uh, and it's actually pretty interesting. So I'll just kind of summarize the little article that I read today, and then we'll, we can talk about it. So basically, going forward, there's going to be, there's, they're going to call them series, but if, in theory, they're a season. So um, they're, a season is about three months of the year. So starting in January, there's going to be Players Tour Series 2, and that goes to March 29th. And then there's going to be Players Tour Series 3, that's April 4th, July 26th. And then Series 4 is August 1st to November 22nd. So these are like chunks of the year broken basically every three months. Uh, and within that, those series will be uh, Grand Prix and then one player's tour at the end of each of those. And those player's tours are the regional ones that will happen in North America, Europe, and Asia all around the same weekend. Not quite on the same weekend, but around the same time. This is not talking about the, the finals, which will include a little, it'll be a smaller group and that will be after all of those little tournaments happen. So what is basically going to happen is during those quarters, you can earn a percentage of an invite to one of these player, players tours based on how many match wins you have in a Grand Prix. So if you have um, 30 points or better, which is 10 wins, five losses, uh, you'll get a 10% of an invite, which we'll talk about later. Uh, if you have 11 wins, you get a quarter of an invite, 12 wins, you get 40%, uh, and then 13 and two, which is actually enough to qualify you for, oh, actually that might not be true. Thir 13 and two will get you 50% of an invite, and then a top eight will get you 50% of an invite. The top eight will also get you an invite to the current players tour, so when you top it, you're actually getting one and a half invites in quotations. And what this means is, let's let's just like map out an example. So January 10th rolls around. Nope. <laughs> January 15th rolls around and you go to a Grand Prix and you finish 11 and four. Okay. You get 33 match points. You get a quarter of an invite to a future players tour that has not happened yet. Okay. Uh, you're excited. You're like, oh, that was a good weekend. Got some couple hundred dollars. Fun. Okay, cool. Bye. Uh, then you, you know, you get, you keep working, go to school and you go to a Grand Prix in March uh, and you go, let's say 12 and three. You actually, you performed a little bit better this time. You had a really good weekend. It was your format and you finished 12 and three. So you actually get a 40%, you get uh, yeah, 40% invite, but you already had 25% from that January one. So now you're actually 60, sorry, it's really hard to explain, but you have 65% of an invite uh, and it's only March. So you actually have until the end of July to go to another Grand Prix and get that last 45%, whether that's um, doing a couple of different Grand Prix and getting 10, 10 and five at some and 11 at four at others. As long as you do it all before the end of July, then you actually put together a full invite. Uh, and this matters because a, a lot of people that go to Grand Prix go to multiple Grand Prix. And you're not going to do this at every Grand Prix, but you are going to accumulate these percentages. And I think if you put it in perspective, in, in previous pro clubs, if you went 10 at 5 at every Grand Prix, you would get one pro point, which would mean if you do that 10 times, you got 10 pro points. 
10 pro points did not qualify you for a player's tour in any way. But 10, 10, 10 and 5 finishes in this new system would qualify you for a player's tour, which is very different. And I think that that's what we should be excited about. Not my terrible way of explaining it. But six months is also a huge amount of time. That's also very different, I think, in comparison. I know that they used to be a full year, but they've taken that away. So six months, I think, is a pretty cool cycle length. Do you guys have any thoughts, feelings, emotions? Uh, I don't know about that last one, but I do have some thoughts. Um, basically, the fractional invites, I think, are awesome. The you, As, as uh, people can see, the Grand Prix have been suffering some lackluster attendance recently and i think a lot of this has to do with not having you know a rabbit to chase uh when you go to a grand prix you basically have to top eight otherwise you're there just to play some magic and i mean that's great you're gonna like have fun you're gonna hang out with your friends uh, and do all that stuff but i know for me personally i love to go to grand prix to compete and getting top you know top 16 while it is great or top 32 or top 64 or whatever it is and getting some cash is is really cool but it doesn't add up to anything if you just keep doing that you have to top eight and now with the fractional invites it gives me a reason again to go to grand prix and be excited to go to grand prix and it, it, like if i go to one and i say you know get a fractional invite it'll drive me even that much more to go to the next one and go to the next one and maybe even go to one that i didn't think i was going to go to in the first place but I get another I get another chance to get that last percentage I need to get to the MC, which I think is just something awesome because not having something to chase kind of for me personally it killed the the drive a little bit. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting because I kind of can't tell if this announcement is coming so late because of attendance at Grand Prix. I don't want to put on my tinfoil hat, like I'm really not sure. No, put it on, put um, it on, put on that tinfoil hat. Get real well, conspiracy with it. I, I know that. So I know the idea of changing anything is hard. And so you have to do it in pieces. So it is just, it is possible that like they had a, you know, 12 step plan to change the, the pro scene. And this was just step 12. Um, and it might not have occurred to them like, Oh, leaving this to last could impact Grand Prix because since June Grand Prix attendance has in general in North America been down. I, I don't think it's quite as true for international ones because there's um, often less Grand Prix, so they, they tend to be okay, but we're a little oversaturated in North America. So sometimes like this last six months or so, you, you have seen a, a decrease. And I, I can't quite tell if that's like, this was in the works and they just wanted some time to work on it. And they didn't realize the, that this might actually positively impact Grand Prix. I'm not sure. That being said, it is super interesting to me if that is the case, if like that Grand Prix really wasn't made up of that many casuals, like it, it was mostly people chasing this carrot on a stick. I be I be if the carrot is quite small, the ten percent size of a carrot. Um, I think that's pretty interesting data. Like regular Grand Prix used to be twelve hundred people, and the most recent ones have been under five hundred. Does that mean there was seven hundred people out there trying to get pro points? I don't know. It's pretty interesting. I think it's cool. It does have some other factors like the current meta and all that, but I I would be I I personally am very encouraged about the system and I have almost never I, I basically have decided that pro points were not something that I could achieve in a consistent manner that would impact like a pro level. Um and I think that this is achievable with some effort for me. So I think I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, the one thing that I really like about this change is you kind of touched on it. Keeps the kind of the more consistent performances I regarded just as much as the spiky performances, which is really interesting to me because I usually do, you know, consistently medium at a GP. So it's really refreshing for someone like me who does, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten Grand Prix in a year that like, I don't necessarily need to win a Grand Prix to still make the Pro Tour or the Mythic Championship off of a GP. So that's really refreshing for me, and I'm really excited about 2020 in terms of Magic. So it'll be a really fun year next year, I think. Um, also, it's important to note, I didn't even cover this because, well, A, I hadn't read it until right now. Um, but actually, doing well at the Players Tour will also get you percentages. 
So you yeah. can, so this, this is very similar to, to pro levels. Like you can chain these, you can, you know, you can go, you know, 30, 36 match points, get 40%, um, win an MCQ, qualify for the pro tour, for the players tour, and then get 33 match points, you know, at that event and get 70% and you're done. And the um, percentage is a lot bigger too, which is nice. I, yeah, if you eleven and five, I think you go. You get a second uh, MC slash PC or PT invite, right? And then well, you it's also a 70%. get a percent. Well, you, oh. no, so you get the invite anyway to the next oh, one. Oh, cool! And then if you go to if you go to uh, a GP and then get your you know your your final thirty percent that you need, or go to the the next players tour and get another thirty percent, you just get to keep going and keep going. And obviously it's very hard to 11 and five, you know, every player's tour you go to, because otherwise you'd be on the player's tour forever. I was going to say, speak uh, for well, yourself. I, 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 <laughs> 11 and fiving at current uh, MCs does get you an extra invite. And so if you had had, so in the old system, they say you're a silver and you went 11 and five at your pro tour that you use your silver invite on, you would still get to go to the next one. Uh, and then in two more approaches, you could use your silver invite again. So like th this is actually a system that kind of, I feel like the, the players to percentages kind of already existed. Um, and if anything, this might be easier now because you get 1.7 of a, of an invite, which yeah, you wouldn't that's, have got. That's kind of what I was system. saying is like, if that's you, if cool. you can rattle off some, it's just, it's just awesome. Right. So it, I actually legitimately want to know what happens if you get 200% in a season. I, th I think the way that I read it is that if you get 200% in a season, it, it's the same as getting 100% in a season. So 110% is something I shouldn't strive for? Is yeah, that don't what we're saying? Don't 110%. Just give exactly 100%. Exactly. How many times is that joke going to get made in the next year? <laughs> they're only good, from what I understand, they're only good for same season. No, it's MC, two seasons. Right? Right. Oh, well, sorry. Yeah, actually, same half of the year it's, though right? it's actually yeah. the, the two seasons that you get your percentages in uh -huh. neither of which are the seasons you're playing your pro your players tour oh okay. so then you, actually, I'll, I'll read i'll read the example on the website i was gonna oh. say if you give if you give 200 percent, it really depends on where the 200 percent came from right so so if you got if you got say 20 percent of it in season two and 180 percent of it in season three 180 yeah. percent would still be there for season three and four yes you, so I then, do want to know if you can double use them. I'm actually really curious. So this is very similar to when they adjusted the pro pro club a couple years ago. They made these rotating seasons instead of one solid calendar year. And they had these things called like a quarter would fall off and a new quarter would be added. So I believe that's something similar here. So what I want to know is like, can you use your percentages twice? I, I actually think we need a lot more information on this, but it's still pretty exciting. I'll read this example, which is what I should have done for the very beginning because it's way more clear. So it says, the end of series three is July 26th. So on July 27th, all players that have earned 100% or more, so we answered that question, of a fractional invite by combining their per performances across tournaments played in series two, which was January 11th to March 29th, and Series 3, which is April 4th to July 26th, will be invited to Players Tour Series 3 in October. So you have, like, the entire first half of the year to get an invite to Players Tour in October. So I assume they will be that will be the first time we use fractional invites will be in October. Man, or will it be retroactively? Like, will it count right now? That's a great question. That's that's something we'll have to like if out. I had gone eleven, I wish and four, I had answers. Yeah, I if I'd gone I'm... eleven and four yesterday at Phoenix, I believe it would start. It starts because if I go to MC, if if I'm going to the MC six and they they allow it, I I would love to have some percentage of a no, fractional invite. Hopefully it, seventy. It will not count in MC six. Ah, oh, come on. Okay, no, because remember that these are specifically players tour so we're in series one right now but mc6 is not actually related to series one in any way series one is for players tour one which is in in february Dang. so i i will for sure tell you you will not get a fractional invite for mc6 um but i'm wondering if grand prix they must count right now they're just they didn't list it on here so now so i'm not sure oh i should find out my, br my brain hurts now 
from talking about I know. all the different and percentages. As much as I love this announcement, I'm just saying there's too many numbers. Like, percentages, are you serious? Like, everyone failed that part in school, right? <laughs> I just need a nice infographic, Fractions, like a bunch of pictures. Yeah. Like my favorite is the fact that like a 30, like 10 and five is 10%, but 11 and four is 25%. So if you do both of those, you only have 35%. Like, come on, like it's gonna be so hard. As much as I am positive about this, it, I am, we thought tracking pro points was hard. Try tracking percentages. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, how's it going, Eric? Oh, well, I'm at 70%. Yeah, I, I would love to be able to answer that. <laughs> Just oh, in man. that way. I I'm super excited. I don't know. I I'm hyped. I just like teasing a little bit. But anyway, that that's what I think of them. Well, and even if there's some stuff that is, you know, kind of confusing uh, about what it is that we're what they're talking about, what we're trying to go for, what you want to aspire to. The one thing that they kind of made is one of their big bullet points is that we're, this is not the end-all be-all. We're going to continue to iterate and shift and change based off of feedback and whether that, that feedback is, uh, hey, this is awesome, or that feedback is, I have no idea what percentage I, I have. Uh, there's going to be a lot to, to be made from it, but the one clear thing that I think we all like is that people now finally see uh, like a clear direct path for them to progress in magic which is you know when when they started shifting everything around a little bit it was really up in the air it was like great it was the mpl and that's it and how do you get in we don't know and now we at least have uh goals that are attainable uh for uh, players that are the most competitive and even ones that are just starting on that competitive journey i like they use the word clear but other than that, I do agree. Well, there is one thing that is clear is that uh, people have a better chance to and a better reason to compete in GPs, things like GP Phoenix, which somebody on this podcast just recently attended. And that would be Caroline Cavanaugh. And usually, uh, you know, we like to talk about a team event or what the team was up to. But this time uh, we just kind of want to get the 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 GP Phoenix report from Caroline Cavanaugh. What is it that you uh, experienced while you were down at Phoenix? Well, I experienced magic, so that was good. Um, I was pretty excited about Phoenix. I wasn't originally scheduled, wasn't really planning on going. Um, but I realized, you know, it was limited. I picked a good time to not play Constructed. thought that was great. Uh, Phoenix actually is a really great place to fly from Vancouver. Lots of direct flights, lots of um, cheap direct flights. So I ended up kind of last minute uh, gathering a gang, not just from Vancouver, but also some Denver friends. So I just had a kind of mixing of the pot of friends. Uh, I ended up going down Friday morning, which I don't usually do for Grand Prix, but I got a lot of my work done, so I was able to go down. Uh, unfortunately, my flight was delayed by a small amount of time, about 45 minutes to an hour, um, but that did impact my plans. I was planning on playing the modern PTQ at uh, noon, noon, noon 30, actually, 12.30. But uh, yeah, with a little bit of a delay, that did make that impossible, which is a little sad, but um, still got to, you know, play some side events. It was very unusual for me. I was kind of excited. Uh, and one of the highlights for my side event was I attacked on turn four with a Raging Red Cap, which is a one-two double striking Goblin Knight. Uh, and I did 18 damage in a single combat with Raging Red Cap, which is pretty fun. It involved a Lucky Clover, which was cast on turn two, and two Boulder Rushes, which for those following along at home is the other half of Rimrock Knight. Uh, so I did 18 damage, which was pretty sweet. Uh, I actually didn't do a single point of damage after that on turn four because my opponent obviously played some blockers and things weren't going as well. But I had the seven damage spell. I think seven mana do seven damage to things divided. Um, and if you use seven mountains, you can do... If you use seven red sources, you can do super cool things. I had six mountains in play and I was like, please be a mountain off the top. How great would this be? And then it was not a mountain, but it's okay because my opponent was at two. So really, I didn't have to do that much, but I was pretty excited. That was like a fun little game. Uh, on Saturday, I opened a pretty decent pool. Uh, it was interesting, actually. I don't know if any listeners have gone to Grand Prix with buys before, uh, but sealed Grand Prix have this like the old system used to be you could show up during a set time. So like between... 9 and 11 or 9 and 10 30 you can show up at any point in that time and just register your pool in like little small pods almost uh but this this grand prix started a new thing where you had to be there at 10 30 um 
which I didn't really know, but luckily I was there at 1030. It was quite a coincidence. So uh, I kind of, we built sealed pools kind of like in the past where everyone, all two by players built at the same time, which is pretty interesting. Um, so my sealed pool had tons of rares that were pretty sweet. So it had Emery, Gatwick, uh, Folio, which I kind of spoiled already. Uh, it also had the Incraig Pyromancer. Uh, and it just had a ton of blue red stuff. I think it was really great. I think my <laughs> biggest issue was that I was actually decking myself just because um, it did have two, a big fork. It had a damage, a way to deal damage through Pyromancer and Improbable Alliance. And then it also just had a way of um, milling out your opponent with Folio. Uh, and then the Gadwick would help you draw cards to do that, but also help do Pyromancer stuff. And so I, I sometimes would have to like pick a game plan and, and, I would run out of resources. So it was pretty interesting. I did go seven and two, which was pretty fun, but it was like a sad seven and two because I lost in round nine. Whenever you like win in round nine, you're like, wow, this is a great record. Whenever you lose, you're like, this is a terrible record. <laughs> and it's always the same record. I don't know. Um, I did get to pre beat Frank Karsten. Um, and then I ate dinner with him. So at least he still hung out with me afterwards. So that was good. Uh, we actually did talk a little bit about numbers. I talked a lot about my, how I was decking myself and, um, he, he did mention it is potentially possible for me to add extra cards to my deck. Uh, I only got that advice in round eight, so I tried it in round nine, but it didn't end up working out, but that's okay. It's pretty good to talk to him about math and different numbers. He told me in our match, he did board up to 42. He didn't board up to 46, like he talked about on arena, but it was pretty funny that he boarded up some extra cards <laughs> in Day two, I'm not going to lie, this was before all the fractional stuff was out there. I was just kind of stoked to draft. I didn't really have any expectations. This Grand Prix was actually one of those everyone cashes Grand Prix. Um, and the the difference between, you know, top 64 and top 100 and, and all that is not a ton. And so I actually just kind of, I didn't really draft, not that I didn't draft super well. I didn't really draft like super on that game. I was just like there to have some fun. Uh, I had some friends that were doing a lot better than me. And so I, I did pretty poorly. I went like one in five, but I opened Oko in my one of my drafts. So obviously everything's great. Um, but I don't know. I think upon reflection, it would have been probably better to try a little harder and try and get one of these more consistent finishes. But overall, like I had a great weekend. So no regrets. Plus two of my friends had ambitious Sunday afternoon flights. It's the classic GP grinder. Like it's like such a tug of war. Cause you, you want to stay as long with your friends, but you also need to go to work each, each Monday. And so um, Sam had a flight at four 30, which is outrageous. It was obviously going to miss it. And then my friend Ben uh, also had a flight at like, I think six and Ben ended up top eighting the grand prix. So he had to move his flight. Um, and so I ended up getting to hang out with friends for an extra night, which is pretty cool. And I stayed the day in Phoenix, uh, did some work from the pool side, which is pretty cool. And I got home on Monday evening. So overall, I think a pretty classic Grand Prix for me, uh, like 10% magic, 90% hangouts. Um, and this one, you know, had a, I had a better record in day one than I sometimes do. So that was like a good positive. I actually had the worst record in my room. There was four people in my room and I, I finished seven and two on day one and the rest of the room finished eight and one which is outrageous. I should not have had the worst record in my room. I was so sad, but yeah, it was great. I love Grand Prix. That, you know, that's the one topic that I think we can like talk about ad nauseum or maybe just save for another time is uh, Magic the Gathering travel horror stories. Uh, or at the very least, like big mistake mistakes that we make when trying to travel uh, for Magic the Gathering. That's a big one that we probably can dig into for next time. I'm going to write that one down for later. But that sounds like you had an insanely eventful Phoenix. It sounded like it was a really, really fun time. And I know later on we're going to talk about like what's going to be up and coming uh, in the Magic the Gathering season. But uh, that's, that's awesome, Caroline, that you had a great time in Phoenix, that you did so well, that you – I mean, how much of it did you attribute to deck-building skill? How much did you attribute to, oh, my God, look at this sealed pool? Uh, I think it was 90% look at this sealed pool. Like – I believe, though, a lot of people I said this to disagree, and so it's probably not correct to think this way, but I believe if the sealed pool had been in the hands of a more skillful skillful player, it is likely their record would have been improved by um, at least one win, if not two, I think. I think the pool was extremely good. It didn't require a ton of thought. Like, 
like when a pool evolves around rares like that i think it it is more likely to be found it's not like i found a hidden gem in the fact that folio and gatwick is are good together with pyromancer like i i think i i was leaded led i should say in the right direction you were leading um, proper tense and, is important yeah and, and it made yeah it made me yeah i, I was a little sad because i thought that i actually no not only did i go seven and two but i drew in like round five or six uh and my opponent conceded we were one one like going we, we finished two full games of magic one the second one in turns and my opponent conceded and uh she was super nice i um we had chatted a lot during the match and i just i felt really sad because i was very appreciative but i was also like this doesn't feel quite great because we didn't really finish this match um and so i don't know i think i could have i i know i could have played a lot tighter but also I was just having a lot of fun. This is not my normal play style for decks too. So that was also a little new for me. General question for the group. What would you rather do? Uh, go 500 with a really bad limited pool or go seven and two with an insanely overpowered limited pool? Wait, what's 500? Well, I mean, however 50, you want 50? to play. Like, yeah, 50-50. Batting 500. Sports ball. <laughs> I mean, I'll uh, take seven and two any two. day. Yeah. <laughs> have uh do, does anyone follow sam on twitter there there was a pretty good tweet basically he he went eight and one on day one uh and he he tweeted out his deck and he's like oh i had a good time i thought you know i thought this was the right the right build um i misevaluated some cards but i'm kind of happy overall and a, fr- a friend of mine xyla was like hey uh i don't want to be rude but your deck looks like <laughs> sorry oh no i did it again <laughs> Um, your deck looks bad how did you do so well and it was very funny we were talking a lot about it and his i think his deck was pretty underpowered and i think it was extremely impressive that he went eight and one but my favorite was just how it was warded it was just like i don't mean to be rude but your deck is bad (laughs) um so so that being said maybe you want to be you want to go seven and two with a bad pool, not seven and two with a good pool. <laughs> not only did you get the first swear word, but you took the second one too. I forgot. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, oh. Just added hours to and my editing third? time. And the third? And you got the I third I didn't say one. a word that time. I just, I was silent so that if Brasky wanted to put a bleep, he could. Oh, there will be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cursing like a sailor oh, on this no. podcast right now. Well, if, if the sorry. the biggest mistake that Caroline uh, has made over the past several days is swearing on the podcast, then she hasn't made that many mistakes. But we all know that we do make mistakes, whether it be swearing on the podcast or whether it be punting the game away, which is why we always talk about what the Swagoy punt of the week is uh, has been over the past week. And this time we have uh, the originator of punt of the week, I should say, <laughs> the, the OG, the godfather of punting in Magic the Gathering, Sean, Mr. Toolshed. Gallagher, Sean, what was your what was your big punt this week? Yeah, thank you. Hold the applause. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this week, uh, two little ones. The first one was an actual punt. I tried to use. I had a Fires of Invention in play, and used Fay of Wishes to get Dovin's Veto for my sideboard. Um, unfortunately, Dovin's Veto or Fires of Invention says I can't cast spells on my opponent's turn. So basically, I just used Fay of Wishes to do literally nothing. And then the second one was less of a punt and me just not reading my cards once again. Um, if you, you know Tulsimir does, it's a five mana, three, three, that makes a three, three wolf when it comes into play. And then like you gain three life and then you like fight a card. The card's really good. So I was like, oh man, I love this card. I'm going to play two of them. So I played two in my sideboard thinking Fay of Wishes can get that creature out of my sideboard. So I used Fire's Invention to cast Fay of Wishes to get Tulsimir. And then, like, used it to, like, fight someone's creatures. Uh, I did that for two nights in a row in testing. And then on the third night, uh, a guy from my store, Aaron, came up and was like, yeah, Fave Wishes doesn't get creatures. So for about two and a half nights straight, I'd just been making illegal plays pretty consistently. Because <laughs> I kept getting Tulsimir out of my sideboard because in all the matches, it just ended up being really good. And you just can't do that. So... That was just another example of me not reading my own cards. Looking forward to uh, the next podcast started by Sean Gallagher, Inadvertent Cheating. 
That's going to be – how could you – you know, you know. at the very least, like you got away with it for a little while, and you were none the wiser. You had no idea you were actually doing it until someone was like, um – I don't mean to be I don't mean to be rude or anything, but <laughs> yeah. that's illegal. Yeah, I, yeah, I uh I was literally testing and I was like, man, this card is insane. Why is just no one doing this? Yeah, you just it turns out you just can't do it. That's why people weren't doing it. So it took me a little bit to figure that out. Well, let us know if you are listening to this podcast what your big punt was, or perhaps your case of inadvertent cheating. What did you do uh, to inadvertently cheat in Magic the Gathering the last week? And you can do that by sending us your memorable punts uh, to tweet. You can tweet at us at Swagoy Gaming, S W A G O I Gaming, and make sure to use the hashtag Swagoy. Hunt. And, uh, you know, that's that's a great reflection of the fact that there's always something to learn, whether it be card interactions, whether it be the actual rules of the game, Sean. There's always something to learn. There's always something to do. That's why we are always trying to be learning it. That's why we're always trying to be lit. And so that brings us to my favorite topic of uh, the discussion every single time, which is what is the one thing you are doing to get better at magic this week? And uh, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, why don't you tell us? What's the thing that you are working on to get better at Magic at this week? Uh, so, as I said before earlier, uh, that I've been playing a lot of Pioneer. And uh, also I said earlier that I had been doing a lot of exploring in the format. And one of the things that I love to do is play decks with synergies and all these cool cards and have a lot of fun. And that led to a lot of losing. Um, and then I started playing some other decks after the uh, Pioneer Challenge. And it turns out that when you put good cards in your deck, that you will win more often. Um, and sometimes those good cards are not blue and white. Uh, as Sean will say, is to the contrary later, I would assume. Um, just because like you, you also have to pay attention to the other cards in the format and i thought the blue white deck was going to be sweet and the teferi uh time raveler came around and destroyed all my plans so um that's when i kind of just like learned that you know the the cards that people think are broken are probably broken and just try those and uh started to win a lot more so yeah that's what i've been doing to get better at magic caroline what about you um well i will say that i was you know Getting better at magic by playing magic. It's a pretty classic way to improve. At least that's the Eric method. Uh, the person who plays a million games of standard a, a week. Um, so yeah, I played some sealed and some draft in Phoenix. I haven't done a ton of drafts and so did a couple of day two competitive RDL. That was pretty interesting. Um, I will say that I've been talking a little bit about my arena plan. Uh, in order for my plan to work, it does require that I play arena, which I have not done in the last week or so. Uh, so I'm currently stuck at plat. I don't want to say stuck. I haven't played. So I am at plat two. Uh, I would love in a perfect world that if I find some time and get all the way up to diamond four before the end of the week or end of Thursday night, I guess. I don't know how likely that is. It would be sort of nice so that when it resets, I don't fall too far down. But I, I still enjoy my strategy of trying to improve it. And I think it's a slow and steady thing for me. Arena and I are just not super friends, but I'm working through it. I'm trying to learn and improve. Um, and I did ask Eric for some advice the other day. I asked him what deck I should play in standard. Um, I don't have the quote directly, but it involved something along the lines of make sure you play this in turn one and you do something cool on turn two was basically what he told me to do. So that's what I'm going to try and do this weekend. Cool stuff on turn two, Caroline Cavanaugh story. And how about you, Sean? What about you? What's your thing you're you're trying to learn? What are you, what are you doing to get better at the game? Yeah, so this last week with all the hype of Pioneer, whoop whoop, like I was pretty excited. Um, so basically, I've been playing Pioneer pretty much every night nonstop this week. I'm just trying a bunch of different decks. Um, played Delirium, Jeskai, Sultai. Obviously, played a lot of Blue White. It's great. Don't let Eric convince you otherwise. Yes, to fairy time ravelers, annoying and unfortunate and unfun. But when you don't have to play against that card, you just get to do whatever you want. It's awesome. Um, the you know I've played the Phoenix decks. I've played a lot of different decks, and right now it feels like the Sultai decks are really good. And I'm really leaning towards Sultai Delirium with Emrakul. But 
I just really enjoy loving this. I'm really loving this new format. So I'm just trying to learn and play as many games with these new decks that I can. And just remember that if the card was good in standard, it's probably going to be good in pioneer too. So that's my takeaway of this week. Darn right. Me, I, I've been kind of digging into brawl uh, and then making that as kind of an introduction into commander, which really is the fact that I was learning and kind of dipping my feet into archetypes I don't normally play. So this time I just wanted to try my hand at actually just building a deck from scratch and just seeing how god awful it absolutely was. But uh, that's what I've been doing with Brawl. I've just been going around making as many decks as I possibly can, putting stuff together that I want to. I think at the end, uh, I put together like a really, really fun uh, Grixis deck that revolved around Nico Bolas Dragon God and just had your usual suspects of, of things like Lockmere Serpent and Ashiok and Narset and basically any Planeswalker I could stick in there. But it started off as something completely different. And uh, it was nice to just kind of learn... Uh, everything I could and learn as I went about why certain decks are good, uh, at least in a brawl, in at least like a singleton format, and then examining and I'm going to dig deeper into maybe I'll save it for when the next uh, big rotation happens or the next set comes out. Uh, but starting and building my own decks, showing them to people and have them tell me that they're terrible, but then more specifically, why they're terrible. That's what I'm looking forward to doing. And that's what I've been trying to do this past week. And it's been a lot of fun. And so uh, that's that's what we have done to learn all that we can and to get better little by little in our playing of Magic the Gathering so that eventually we can make it our way to more competitive avenues of Magic the Gathering. And where would those competitive avenues be? Well, that's what Caroline Kavanaugh has a whole list for us to tell us where in the world is Caroline Kavanaugh going to be and really what's what's happening in Magic. Wow, that is a great segment name. I wish that this was a segment where I just got to go to all these cool things. Um, so... I deleted the ones from last week, so hopefully I have the dates right, but that's okay. So this week, uh, the, the newest thing that I, I'm 90% sure this is correct, though I didn't Google it before we started. On Friday, which is November 1st, the first Pioneer Moto PTQ will, will be happening. It's I'm like 90% sure it's on a Friday, mainly because I thought, hey, that's strange it's on a Friday. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. I know that Pioneer has been a passion of um, Sean, and I know that Eric has been trying it as well. So this is something that's pretty interesting. Eric, do you have plans on giving this PTQ a try? Uh, I'm definitely debating it. I'm not sure what my plans are with uh, with Serena. For those that don't know, that's my girlfriend. Um, so she takes precedent over the Moto PTQ. Okay. So yeah, that's something that's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, this weekend, in terms of not super cool scheduled things, uh, I have an arena IRL tournament in real life tournament, which is pretty cool. I'm pretty excited for it. This will be my second one at like a local esports arena that we have. And uh, I have no idea what I'm playing. It's definitely standard, but. Do you have your walk up music picked out? Yeah, it's the big one. <laughs> Man, I wish I did that. That'd be so sweet. Okay. The actual tournament is just in like uh, a room of like 40 computers and it's like kind of medium. But It's just in a coffee shop. They all just sit in a caribou. Is it a moose coffee in Canada? No, no, we, it's pretty cool. And then feature matches are actually done on a like legit esports stage, which is pretty cool with, with uh, commentators and a big like rised seating. You can like sit and like cheer on, I guess, if you want. It's honestly like a, a strange and unique feeling, even though it's like a $20 weekend, like local tournament. It's has a different like feeling, different effects. So it's pretty cool. So you guys have some MCQs coming up this weekend, right? Yeah, Sean and I have a local, I guess they're PTQs again, right? Because a player tour qualifier. And um, so that will be happening on Saturday. And we'll be, uh, we'll be, where, where is it's Crystal? Champlin. Yeah. Champlin. Champlin. Pretty close. Instead of the C. Yeah, right down the street. Champlin, Minnesota. Yeah, standard. Looking forward to it. Going to kill some Okos, hopefully. Maybe cast Okos, but it'll be a lot of fun. I get to cast my favorite card in the set. A throwback to our, I think our first episode where I get to cast Lovestruck Beast. That's a nice magic card. Are you playing the little what's Phylaxian Intruder? That card. Too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The uh, Goldilocks is going to always ask me if I would like to sacrifice her to destroy a artifact or enchantment, and ninety nine point nine percent of the time I will say no. Have you made bears? How many times have you made bears? That's, exactly that's zero times. Exactly oh, zero times a, have I made bears. That's sad. It's hard to turn down like one mana draw card. Very true. Very true. 
Well, that's what's going on for MCQs. And I think uh, coming up after that, Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, is what, MC6? Yeah, I know. We were. I swear we just said MC5 is happening. But, yeah, we're on to MC6. This is a paper tournament. This is pretty cool. It's going to happen in Richmond, Virginia. I will actually be there. So it is funny that we call it Where in the World is Caroline. It's extra funny for those, if you know me super well, I actually live in a town called Richmond. Uh, so I'll be flying quite a significant number of hours to still be in a town or city called Richmond. I'm pretty excited to hang out again with my friends. I'm going for the full week. I'm not competing in any way. I'm actually going to be doing some behind the scenes stuff with the coverage team, which would be kind of cool. Oh, sorry. No, I'm going specifically to support Eric. Sorry. Yes. Only going. 100%. Shoot, and Ben. I already said that. And who? Oh, and Ben. And ben. Yes. And yeah. Ben. Ben was in Phoenix. I feel like I didn't mention that at all. And also my friend, uh, Moby Block or Chris Oren from TP Denver. That's the only reason I'm going, I swear, for no other purpose. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited to be there. I think it will be, as much as it will have a lot of Elks and a lot of Ocos, uh, I think it will be a fun tournament to be at. And I'm very excited for Eric that he gets to qualify. Uh, and I don't know. I'm I'm really excited. I hope coverage will be great. I hope life totals will be accurate. <laughs> no reason why they wouldn't be, of course. Uh, and it'll be good. And then there will not be a ban and a restricted announcement the immediate Monday. Uh, like there was kind of in a bit of an emergency-ish one with Field uh, on MC5. There will instead be a week <laughs> later <laughs> on November 18th. And that will be a scheduled ban and restricted announcement. And I think with the weeks coming up, I I would love to have a bit of a debate, especially with Eric, on whether or not he expects Oko to be on that list. So I'm pretty curious. Yeah, plenty to talk about, and we would like to uh, we would like to hear from those that are listening about what their opinions are of what's going to happen with that ban and restricted announcement. So make sure to tweet at us at Swagoi Gaming S W A G O I Gaming to let us know your thoughts on uh, the non-emergency ban of Oko about the uh, fractional. Uh, ways to get to uh, to Pro Tour and the fractional invites and everything else that goes along in it. Uh, what are you going to be playing in? So let us know if there's going to be any big events there so we can come by and say hi, because uh, that's what we love to do, because that's the best part about Magic the Gathering is the gathering. And uh, I know the, the best part for a lot of us at the end of this uh, wonderful cast is just getting there to the finish line and we did and that's going to do it for us for another week and we will be back next week to talk more about formats about invites about bans and restrictions about anything and everything in between and of course you can always find more about our organization by visiting www.swigoi.com that's s-w-a-g-o-i.com and you can meet all the members of our various esports teams there so after that, let's go around the table. And where can people find all y'all on the internet? Caroline, we'll start with you. Uh, so I am on the Twitters at, at Mighty Linguini. I'm on the at The Mighty Linguini. And I'm on the Twitches at twitch.tv slash The Mighty Linguini. Uh, I do stream Wednesdays. I will always have a magic guest, but I won't always play magic. That being said, last week, I believe we played magic maybe even twice, if I recall correctly. And tomorrow, which will be Wednesday, which the pod will already have been out, will not be out. So I'm going to advertise it anyway, <laughs> but I will be streaming Magic and it will be Commander, which will be very odd for me. It's not, not exactly a casual, so this will be kind of interesting. And Thursday, which is when the pod will probably come out, I will also be streaming a Halloween stream with some friends. So I have two streams coming up this week. Awesome. Eric, how about you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Conan Hawk. And then also on twitch.tv uh, slash Conan Hawk. I stream Monday through Friday uh, unless travel uh, does not allow me to do that. So, for instance, next week, not this week, but next week, I'll be traveling to MC Richmond. So I will not be streaming that Thursday or Friday, but I should be back the Monday following. So if you do follow me on Twitter, I will definitely let you know when and when I won't be streaming. So remember, at Conan Hawk. And Sean? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, at Mr. Toolshed. I will be tweeting my update at my PTQ this weekend. How many? I'll probably have an Oko kill count, hopefully, or how many times I was killed by an Oko, uh, one or the other. But I'll have some kind of kill count going this weekend. I think you should just do both. Uh, that's just have just have both of them. Just tallies, just rounding up and down all the way through. 
All right. Just I'll like do a that. nice little scoreboard. Oko <laughs> one, Sean zero, Sean one, Oko one, you know, yeah. just like running off. All right. I'll do that just for you, Brasky. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Brasky1142. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. We will see you all next week for another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic. But until then, you take care. See you later, everybody. Bye-bye. I didn't say it this time. I don't know. It's okay, though. You're fine. Okay, we're done.